CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. What's going on? Welcome to Canel and Bell on this Thursday. Big show we have to get to. Our buddy Emery Hunt's going to come on. Okay. Coming off of a 4-2 and two performance last week. Joey said his thing. He's like, hey, he's like, hit him up about what happened to the Georgia Tech game. It sounded like Joey might have lost some money on uh, one of those bets be that he salty, took. Joe. So, because then all of a sudden he was like, he was telling me basically to lay into him when he comes on. And he's like, oh, he actually had a pretty good week yeah. when he looked at the overall record. So we'll get him on here for some picks, um, NFL and college picks. We'll preview the college football weekend, what potentially could be some upsets. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on Bradley Beal's new, um, extension on his deal. Uh, we'll do that later in the show as, uh, later as well. We had a situation yesterday in the NFL. We've kind of joked about this before. Like for all the fans that come up and yell at players during games or they, you know, trash them on the road. Like, man, wouldn't, wouldn't it be great if you could just let them have at it? Like all those fans who act big and they want to come act like they could take a player down. Like, let's see it really happen. We may have seen something like that happened, although I'm a little bit suspicious of exactly what happened here. So Miles Garrett is a incredible player, number one overall pick from the Cleveland Browns. He's a big dude. He's yeah. a specimen. Like at the at the uh NFL draft combine, they were saying he was one of the most impressive specimens they had ever seen in the history. So you know the dude's big. So he had an interesting um tweet that he put out yesterday where he talked about this fan interaction where he said he thought a quote fan hopped out of his car to take a picture with me and then punched me in my face. Hmm put your legs into it might have actually made me flinch the tweet went viral i still haven't heard miles garrett talked about it then he did follow it up said was in my car flagged me down for a picture and i cracked the window enough for the camera to get to my face took the pic and gave me a pillow tap Uh. credit i guess to miles garrett for not getting out and like doing something because that to me like, this is what I've always been told. Like, hey, and this is a, as an athlete, you kind of get in these situations. Because I think there are, especially in football, it's a physical sport. Fans are always challenging players. Like, they just, hey, I'm going to stack up. See how I stack up against this guy. I've always been under the understanding, like, hey, if you throw the first punch, you're in trouble. Like, you, if, if, no matter what the person says, if you throw that first punch, you could get sued. You could be held liable. It could cost you a lot of money. But if the other person throws the first punch, then it's fair game. You're saying no. No, no it's that not. Is not the case. I mean, I got no problem if you whoop his ass. <laughs> right. Like I got no problem, but you net look, in today's legal system what people get sued for, it's a no win for you. Like, you know what I mean? Even if he does that to you, again, I would support you whooping his tail. But it's probably easier to do what he did. Contact the authorities, right? Yes. Like not saying that I would. Right. I, you know, but that's probably the best thing to do just to avoid you know, any chance that someone comes after you for one reason or another. Do you know what I mean? This is one of those ones, too, where players get criticized a lot for how they treat fans sometimes. You know, there's all, you know, and players get put in bad situations. Sometimes they say to a no to a kid and it's on camera. This is where it's really hard to fall because there are some crazy fans out there and you never know what type of reaction you're going to get. So if a player is a little bit aloof or standoffish, like don't assume he's a jerk. 
I mean, you can't, you just can't assume that. And I think a lot of times, I don't know. I was going to say something about Dan Marino. I think he gets criticized a lot for some of his fan interactions. He's sure. always been great to me. Put yourself in a Dan Marino shoes or even more like a LeBron or a Tiger in a different stratosphere where they're, they can never have a private day. Yeah. Never. You have no, you have no life probably privately outside the confines of your home or the very, uh, or the environments that you can control, like private planes or or car, whatever it is that keeps you contained and keeps your family away from the general public. That's the only life you live. Yeah. Um. And I guess to some degree, people would say, "Hey, sign up for like you know you make a lot of money." And yeah, all of that is true. But you know, you do have to then respect when someone is like, "Look, man, I just I don't I don't want to I don't want to get involved in that. If I stop to sign one, I got to sign a million. Right. Um. And then when you know, like I had an instance. And I'm not, I'm it's nowhere near. I, I just got into Philly, right? Um, we talked about my first bucket. Like, yeah. it was like three weeks after the first bucket, they dropped me into a playoff game, um, against Milwaukee in game six. And I had a couple points. And so game seven, Larry Brown throws me out there. I am absolutely nobody, but we win the Eastern Conference finals and I spark the run that does it. The next day, I'm at the King of Prussia mall with my family. Um, just hanging out. Like I'm regular. Like, yeah. you know, not, no one wants my autograph. One person asked me for an autograph. Now I stopped to sign it before I knew it. There were five Buzz. people. Yeah, the whole mall converged on my parents and I to the point where, like, I'd never seen anything like it. I couldn't find them in this crowd anymore. And, you know, that was just off of one little moment in, 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 uh, in one game. Imagine that being your life everywhere you go. Stopping to sign one autograph becomes a, 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 a parade of people asking for one. Like, you can't do that all the time. It's, it's one of those things that can be really cool. Like I still like my wife even. She like rolls her eyes because every once in a while I'll get somebody will say, can I get a picture? Yeah. Or they'll recognize me. And it's really cool. And I still have that appreciation for it. And it, I never really got to that level where it got, you know, nervous or it got annoying because you couldn't eat anywhere. Right. So, but again, it's like, it's a different scenario. Yeah. It's a totally different mindset. I was like you like that. Right. I, I, I enjoyed that. I had never right. experienced it before. Um, and after that, I took time to sign as much as I could. Like I've rarely, I never said no. Uh, I might have to leave. And so I couldn't get them all, but, um, I never had to deal with the type of fame and the type of autograph seeking that some of these higher profile players do. So while I could appreciate it, I never held, you know, any kind of, uh, you know, resentment towards a dude who, who, who just couldn't afford to stop because he'd be there for hours. So I always respected their, you know, look, they got something to do. They want to go. Um, they signed plenty of autographs behind closed doors. That's what most fans don't realize. Like, right. You have autograph signing days where you sign thousands of autographs. So it's, it's, it's not really. You know, it's not part of your contract to stop and sign for every fan that's on the street. So I never had a problem with guys that did it. No, for sure. Uh, Joey, did you want to chime in? My G chat is down. I don't have Wi uh, Fi in here, but he was trying to reach out to me about yeah, something. So there is actually a guy posted a video that he said is of the guy who hit, who uh, of the guy who punched Miles Turner or um, excuse me, Miles Garrett. Garrett. And uh, but it's just a video of a guy driving away, and Miles Garrett responded and said, "Thanks for the video, but how are you going to post it after he punched me?" It was a soft bop, and then he slid. So that, that's the most recent thing. <laughs> All right. It is a little bizarre. I don't know. Maybe we'll get more details on it when Miles Garrett answers questions about it. But it is kind of interest, interesting, and it's a, it can be dangerous. Like some of these guys, it gets a little bit dangerous yeah. for some of them. Um, in Vegas news, Patrick Mahomes was the front runner by a mile sure. just about three weeks ago. Then he has a couple rough weeks. They lose a couple games. All of a sudden, my guy. 
My preseason pick, Russell Wilson from the Seattle not Kirk Cousins. Seahawks. Just so we're, no, no, no. your guys, that not Kirk Cousins. Fire. No, All I right. have a bunch of guys. Russell Wilson right. is one of them. Kirk Cousins will save him for later. Maybe he gets in that race. But Russell Wilson has overtaken Patrick Mahomes. I think this is significant. I think it's finally time Russell Wilson really – I mean, he's, he's gotten his credit because he's gotten two $100 million deals, so he's got it. But I still think he flies under the radar as far as – elite quarterbacks and i think he's clearly there and i also think it's pretty cool that sean watson is bumping up a little bit but patrick mahomes dropping out of that lead spot is probably the biggest you know eyebrow raiser of these moves for sure yeah i look i've got no problem russell wilson uh the seahawks are sitting at five and one with a roster that you would you know on paper you're like you, you probably wouldn't have anticipated that uh, he's got 14 touchdown passes, zero interceptions. He's the only quarterback to start every game this year with no interceptions thrown. And he's got the highest QBR. He's a uh, passer rating, 124.7. So he's, his numbers are, are, are nasty. I would say this though. I think that Patrick Mahomes with the backslide because of what's happened lately with the injury and so on and so forth, he will creep back up in the mix. Mm-hmm. You know, you imagine that Seattle's probably at some point going to hit a little skid. Right. Um, Russell's may still play great, but he'll hit a skid. And then, you have to imagine that Kansas City, they're going to get it together. That guy's playing banged up and so on and so forth. So I think it's a two-person race. And then I think Deshaun Watson and Christian McCaffrey are in that tier just below them. Um, but Christian McCaffrey is going to have to do – like he's going to have to break records for – Christian McCaffrey, I don't know. I, I think he might – because of the way this it's, it's transpired with Cam getting hurt, yeah. Kyle Allen takes over, Christian McCaffrey's asked to carry so much more of the workload. He's putting up historic numbers. I just worry about his health. Like, can he do it for 16 games? Yeah. Miss any time. But I think also what's interesting, what you said, timing does matter. Yeah, for sure. Like, it shouldn't. Like, you should look at the compilation of the whole season. But it's a good news for Patrick Mahomes. They lose these, and they get back to right where they were in kind of number one seed challenging the Patriots. But in order to do that, they have to win tonight. Which is a very interesting game. You're saying nah. Stop. You're saying it's over. Stop. You're saying it's a wrap. Stop. You're not buying into the no, Broncos no. getting better. You know how we talked about the Dallas coming out and being flat after two game, two two losses. Yep. Uh, and and not being the team that looked like they were foaming at the mouth, ready to go. I imagine that Kansas City is going to be firing on all cylinders tonight. I don't see them as that type of team. I don't. I have more trust in Andy Reid than that to have them ready to play. And I think offensively. Um, Hearing the chirps um, of, of people like you and I up here yeah. about like their their vulnerability, I think they'll be firing on all cylinders. So I think offensively they'll be fine. Patrick Mahomes, we read in the uh, update at this hour that his ankle's okay. I don't know if it is. Like, I, an ankle can linger. Now maybe it's not as bad. Maybe it's slowly starting to get better. Yeah. But I still worry about that. And I think it has kind of thrown him off a little bit. You're talking about weight bearing. You know, when you're trying to plant, make throws, it yeah. does impact you. So I'm a little bit worried about that yeah. from he, that standpoint. He was only outside of the pocket. I think he had five throws I read outside the pocket um, last week. And typically, like, those those kind of magician type of plays, he's up in the teens. Like, he's 12, 13, 14 of those per game. So, I, look, you know this. When, when you can't do those type of things as a quarterback, then it forces you to play – you know, more, more streamlined in the pocket type of football. So I do think it's a, it's a factor. Like he's not being able to move the way he's used to moving. What you got, Joey? I don't know. I actually had a question about the MVP race. That was, it probably goes into this too, but the interesting names on there to me were Brady. I wanted to hear your guys' thoughts on Brady and Rodgers that at both at 20 to 1. Um, if they keep winning, like if the Patriots are undefeated, like, 12 week 12 week 13 can't brady play his way back in mvp 
Yes. He, first of all, he has branding going for him. He's Tom Brady. He's the GOAT. Um, I think it's his last year. I do. I just have a feeling. I I don't like trying to say, hey, this is it, but it's 20. It's a nice round number. Yep. If they win, I think it's for sure he, he walks away. If they lose, I think there might be part of him that says, I want to go out on a winning note. Yep. But there's also, and we had a little bit with Drew Brees, and he fell off at the end because Patrick Mahomes was so absurdly good. But there's a legacy aspect to it, too, you know, like that comes into play. I think it's just a reality of the situation. If Brady puts in the position, uh, his team again to be a number one seed and, and challenging again, I think, I think he would. Even though it's a, st- a statistical award and he's not going to have the best statistics, I still think he's, he's Brady. So they kind of are, it's easier to overlook that. Yeah. Uh, I guess this, it's probably not fair to draw this comparison. Um, so I won't do it. Um, I'm not going to do it. Like, cause I was going to reference, all right. I was going to reference, um, Peyton Manning when he was with Denver. Yeah. Last time around. Yeah. While Tom Brady is clearly not. Right. Cause that, that year, like Peyton is. right. That year Peyton had more interceptions than touchdowns. Yeah. If Brady does that, then he's not going to. No, get but it. Tom Brady's clearly not that. Right. But I, I do think that he's not necessarily putting up the number. So while his team may be great and they might finish with the fantastic record and it might not be, it's not Tom Brady's fault necessarily. The weapons just aren't there like offensively. Do you know what? You got banged up Julian Edelman. You got to bang yes. up. Like you, he doesn't have the weaponry to put up the numbers. That offense has looked real sluggish the last couple times out, especially in the first half of the games. Yep. Um, I think that's going to hurt him. But could he? Yes. And then, and at some point, because their defense has been outstanding, at some point maybe they get in some games where they actually have to score points, and he returns to his form. Well, if he has those I do moments. think. I think I don't. Again, not want to predict the end, but I do think you've seen a less perfect Tom Brady. Like, I think he's been vulnerable this year. I think yeah. he's thrown more interceptions. His completion, we talked about it. His completion percentage is down. Uh, his passer rating is down. He's uncharacteristically thrown consecutive games with an interception. I think you're starting to see a little bit of decline. Yeah, but, and that's why I'd, I'd be more surprised if he got in that MVP conversation right. than, uh, than not. But who knows? Maybe they'll get there. And Aaron Rodgers is always a scary, you know, he's lurking back there as one of the greats of this generation. All right. Let's take a break. We'll see that game tonight. Chiefs at Broncos. I think the Chiefs could be in trouble because if they can't get off the field, they're going to find themselves in the same issue. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If ready PG. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. All right, welcome back to Canel and Bell. It is Thursday. You know what that means. Our guy Emery Hunt is going to join us. Now, Raj, I have a question for you that involves Emery somewhat. Okay. Who do you think is the best dressed out of the three of us? Me, you, or Emery? That's definitely me. <laughs> See, I think I, I would, I would I make mean, a strong is, case for what me. Kind of question I would that? make the case for myself. Okay. All right. But I did see one Emory Hunt oh. strolling the sidelines of one NFL game looking pretty fly. Oh, word? Do we oh, have a yeah. clip? Do we have uh, a, no, I don't think no. we have a clip. We'll have to get Joey for Sk- next week. Skillet, what were you wearing? What's he referring to? I had the mint green <laughs> sports coat. And Ooh. me being dark skin, I looked like mint chocolate chip out there. I was turning <laughs> crazy. Going crazy. <laughs> 
<laughs> it looked pretty good. He was styling. I must All admit, right, bet, he looked bet. pretty good. So we'll have to get uh, we'll have to get some pictures of that for next time. All right, let's get down to business. As we have Thursday night football tonight, the Chiefs are a three point favorite at Mile High going to Vesco uh, to play the Broncos. Who are you, are you assuming the Chiefs get back on track uh, track after the couple games, kid? Yeah, I'm assuming that. And when you look at the Broncos the last couple of games, they play great defense. Their offense has sputtered, even though they put themselves in position to win a couple of games. I think right now their offense is still an issue and it'll make the Chiefs defense look better. And KC's offense will look like KC's offense. They'll roll in this one. All right, we've got two young quarterbacks as the Cardinals and Kyler Murray are at uh, Danny Dimes and the Giants. Um, the Giants minus three. Uh, what quarterback gets the better end of this deal? I think you have to go with Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. Quietly, we've seen the timing start to click for Arizona. Earlier in the season, he was missing those deep shots downfield. Now he's starting to connect on those. Their defense is starting to find their pass rush. And right now, Daniel Jones is still holding the football a little bit too long, showing a lot of the stuff that we saw on film at Duke. So I would take the Cardinals in the points here to get the win. All right, in another matchup, you've got Jacksonville trader away Jalen Ramsey. They're not going to see the fruits of that trade and for a couple years with those, all those picks. They've got to go on the road to Cincinnati's at three-and-a-half-point favorite. Cincinnati's been awful this year. Uh, it looks like it should be an easy win for Jacksonville. Are you going with that? No, I'm going to roll with Cincinnati. I'm going to take the Bengals and the points here. In a couple of games, you've seen the offense of Cincinnati really kick it into high gear. Uh, they should have beaten the Arizona Cardinals. Their defense let them down there. They should have beaten the Cincinnati, I'm sorry, the uh, Seattle Seahawks in week one. Their offense was kind of inconsistent there, and the defense let up at the end. But overall, I think they have enough on both sides of the ball to where they can keep Gardner Minshew flustered in the pocket and come away with their first victory of the season. I like the Bengals. All right, let's move over to college football, Emory. you got the Gophers, Minnesota, with a huge number, 28.5, minus 28.5 at Rutgers. Uh, do they cover that? They cover that. It's a shame that Rutgers helped invent football and they're terrible at it. And we talk about a team that just can't get off the, the hump or can't get over the hump and can't get off the ground. Any team that's playing Rutgers, you, you are making good money, a good bet by just laying all the points with the opponent. Minnesota is quietly six and zero. They beat Rutgers. They'll be seven and zero. Then they play Maryland. They're going to get to eight and zero and start creeping around that top ten before they play Penn State. PJ Fleck has that squad playing really well uh, in that spot. All right, the biggest. Uh, I'll let you do the biggest game of the weekend. Right. I'll go with Tulane on the road against Memphis, a battle in the American Conference. Um, who do you think comes out on this one? Memphis is laying four. Yeah, normally you don't want to see a team have one loss become two, but I think that's going to be the case here with Memphis. They lost a huge one to Temple, who's been playing some great football. Tulane quietly has played even better football, in my opinion, than Temple. You look back at that Auburn game, that was a game they had won, and they let it slip away at the end. But Tulane is playing phenomenal. I think they keep Memphis on the losing streak by knocking off the Tigers. So take Tulane in the points. All right, this one is interesting to me because we've talked a lot about Harbaugh and, and Michigan, and I didn't really realize that Penn State was as good as they were this year. So you got Michigan at Penn State in what feels like could be a, a, a must-win for Harbaugh and company there. Penn State's laying nine. Yeah, I'm going to lay those nine with Penn State. I think this one will be a defensive battle, and the reason why I still like Penn State to cover, their offense you can trust a little bit more than Michigan. I think Michigan's offense – it's week to week. You don't know what you're going to get. And that inconsistency versus one of the best defenses, if not arguably the best defense in the Big Ten. I know Wisconsin's defense is outstanding. 
I think that'll keep that Michigan football team reeling on that side of the ball. So lay the points with Penn State. If they don't, if Michigan gets run against Penn State, what do you think that means for Jim Harbaugh? You know, that right there, it it, it could be bad for him. But the good part is there are going to be some jobs opening up in the NFL pretty soon with the way these teams are playing out here on Sunday. So he may have a nice soft landing spot, a golden parachute, so to speak, to jump back into the NFL. Yeah, he definitely would have opportunities. It's been interesting. Everywhere he's been, it's usually been around four or five years, and then all of a sudden he makes a move. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what happens. But we'll have to see what Michigan does this weekend first against Penn State. Emery, good stuff as always, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right, speaking of college football, yep. so we have no head-to-head top 10 teams playing each other, but there are several pretty good matchups. Right. Well, actually, they're not. Yeah, I, would, I was going to say. Because uh, Ohio State, I think they're going to be like a four-touchdown favorite against Northwestern. Clemson will be a heavy favorite against Louisville. Oklahoma is a 34-point favorite against West Virginia. Wisconsin, probably similar. I do think there is one game in the top 10 okay. of a team that should be on upset alert. And Florida. I don't even know if it's that big of an upset. It's the Florida Gators. Yeah. Uh, South Carolina is coming off a win, an upset win against Georgia. When they went out there, had three picks, they... Totally uh, just stymied uh, Jake Fromm. Their defense is really good. And I know Florida's feeling pretty good about their offense because they put up pretty good numbers against LSU. South Carolina's defense is way better than LSU's. Yeah. The only, I have no idea. Like, I don't know South Carolina except that they were sub 500 before they beat Georgia. Yeah. I I, I can't say that I sat here and watched film. I've seen Florida a few times. Um, Those hangovers after emotional wins sometimes are very real. And so, like, if I were looking at the game, I'd probably say, if I had to bet it, I'd say South Carolina probably has a little bit of a hangover after knocking off Georgia. Right. It was just tend to be uh what they are when you win a game like that, and that would be my only real insight into the game. Yeah, I because it was – it's – Florida's a team to me. This is like the show-me moment for them. Mm-hmm. If they're as good and they contend, contend with Georgia and they're expecting to, you know, possibly play for the SEC East title, they'll win this game. They're only a five-point favorite, so I think it's going to be interesting – to see how they do. I think they're going to get beat outright by really? South Carolina. I think South Carolina is going to ride some of that momentum as a confidence, not the hangover. Sure. The confidence. Hey, we were having a rough season. Now all of a sudden we've seen we can beat one of the best teams in the yeah. country. I think Florida, on the other hand, might be reeling a little bit from their game against LSU. It should be interesting. The primetime game we were just talking to Emory about, Michigan against Penn State. I agree with Emory that Penn State rolls in this one. I think the Man. interesting question comes out is what does it mean for Jim Harbaugh and this Michigan team? Because it wasn't that long ago. But the, the week they played Iowa, it was, man, if they lose to Iowa, it could go one way or another. And they squeaked by Iowa. It wasn't right. exactly a confidence-instilling win. Then they beat Illinois. Now they're in another position where I think it matters how they look. Okay. Like if they get beat by three touchdowns, I think it's imbe- like similar to what happened against Wisconsin, then I think they're in trouble. If they can go out there and just keep it close – I think that's a that's a best case scenario for Jim Harbaugh. Um, that would definitely be better than getting the doors blown off. Um, but if they're gonna if they lose to Penn State, um, I mean, let's say that Penn State you got Penn State, Notre Dame, and Ohio State still left on your schedule if you're if you're if you're uh, Michigan. Yep. If you lose any combination of the two of those, you're in trouble. If you lose all three of those, Danny, it's it's over. Like it's a wrap. Yeah. I'm. I, I mean, I'm. I don't know anybody at Michigan. Right. Lose all three of those games. I think whether you're fired tomorrow or not, I think those conversations starts to be, they start to be had. Right. At a, at a, at a 
Yo, I don't know. Twice a week rate. Hey, let's 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 reconvene on this Harbaugh situation. I don't know. That's interesting. I never have a Michigan man. Michigan's always very important. They want to have a Michigan man that's their coach. You ain't gonna I think that's the problem with having a guy that you love that played at your school. It becomes really hard to part ways with him. Right. And I, I would just still remind, again, what happens this weekend? We'll see. If they do go off the rails, he still has three 10-win seasons. So that's pretty but here, good. Here's what I'm saying. Uh, and that is good. Right. But if you're going to be handed a program, right, that was in, 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 uh, you know, not shambles, but it wasn't living right. up to the standard. Yeah. No, um, Rich Rod was rough. Brady Hoke era. That was where they want to forget. What you're selling as a, a coach is, hey, might be like not exactly great the first and second year, but you give me three, four years, I can get my kids in, I can find my quarterback, I can start to establish my culture, and it will get back to where you want it to be. Like you can't now be backsliding, Danny. Right? Like, do you understand what I mean? Like that is of concern if I'm one of the Michigan like uh, you know board of trustee members or something like that. Like we seem like we might be going backward here. Then you look at his track record. Like you know, I talk about Larry Brown a lot. I love Larry Brown. Like Larry Brown has a shelf life. Larry Brown, after three, maybe four years, <laughs> right. he's gone. Right. And it's usually, you know, he's got a personality that's great for a while, and then it starts to wear on people. And if I'm looking at that also with Harbaugh, and now our team has lost four games, um, I have to really be concerned about what the future looks like. And I had to start, I had to start talking and having those conversations. Yeah, for sure. It'll be interesting to see. That game is in prime time, uh, Saturday night. There we go. Welcome back to Kinnell and Bell. Uh, hanging out here. A little <laughs> funky there on the rejoin, but it's all good. All right. Joined by our guy, Rip Hamilton. What's up, Rip? I'm, I see I'm a little overdressed yeah. right now. Yeah, we <laughs> appreciate the effort, though. I, I mean, no one told me that I didn't have to wear a tie or a jacket. Classing up the no joint, way, And I just talked to him for about 45 minutes yesterday <laughs> right? when I was on a golf course. Right. So, hey, he didn't even tell me don't bring a jacket or a tie today. That's right. You know what I love about it is uh, all three of us have in common, we have young kids, right? Yeah. I have all girls, so I don't get the experience of youth basketball. I talk to him all the time about youth football, and then I see you posting about some tryouts the other day. You're trying to find talent all over South Florida to stack that roster. I could talk about youth sports for an hour. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I had to call my president slash GM slash consultant, right? Because, you know, he already got a couple years in. So right now and I'm going through the whole process of finding kids, dealing with parents. So I always call my buddy right here. <laughs> Give me a few tips hey. about youth basketball. Well, you know, you know, like I know, and you, and you probably see it too. I mean, with your daughter that plays golf, a sport that you know well, like it's hard to find good coaches. Like everybody's yes. in it to make a buck. Yeah. And while you don't knock anybody's hustle, you want them to be taught the right way. So, uh, you know, eventually I never wanted to coach my mm -hmm. kids. And then I watched a few guys charge us money <laughs> to teach them the wrong thing. And teach then you're nothing. like, you know what? I'm going to do it. You know yeah. what I mean? So that's kind of the space that. That I find myself in with it, you know? And, yeah. that's the, and that's the reason why I started my own, because we talked about it a few years ago, why he started his. And, you know, you see the process and you see that a lot of coaches and, and guys are in it for the wrong reasons. And you know that in order for kids to, to make it, they got to have the, the core fundamentals. Yep. And a lot of times people skip that process. They too quick to teach a step step back, yeah. but a kid can't even take D a ball double step back between their legs. <laughs> right. So it's, it's a process and, uh, you know, I'm kind of getting into it right now, and I know it's going to be an emotional roller coaster just dealing <laughs> with young kids because I always see my, my buddy Roger on the sidelines yelling and screaming. I just had his players, but the referees. So it just, just, it just doesn't follow him on the NBA basketball court. It's just, follow him on the AAU scene. Just though. try to stay out of the anger management required classes that they make Raj take after listen, a disciplinary we action. About? We always want, we always want our, our people to be authentic, right? That's yeah, right. It's authentic, bro. That's, 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 you right. are who you that's are, it. huh? 
Uh, all right, all right. We could take uh, we could take an hour talking about youth basketball, but I'm sure some people want to hear both your guys' thoughts on some NBA action that's going on. The latest news is the Wizards and Bradley Beal agreed to this two-year max extension. Your first reaction when you hear that is what? Well, I, he he is the future of the franchise. I mean, they've been saying it the last couple of years, especially when John Wall has been out and hasn't been the leader that they expected of him in the locker room. And Bradley is the total opposite of him. He's the guy that gets to the gym early, early and often. John, you know, still is, in my opinion, the best player on, on that team, but he still has some maturity things to, to come over how to be a leader. And Bradley has, has stepped in that role, so you can't short shortchange him for that. And I think that right now with John being out, they got to figure out, you know, what direction this team is going. And he's and he's willing to go through the aches and pains, the, the, the development of all these young kids that they've been been drafting. So I think it's a great thing that Tom, Tom Shepard uh, did. You know, that's his first big thing since he got the hire, got the job there. Uh, as being the GM of, of that ball club. What if you were if you were Bradley Beal, um, and you were born and bred in the old regime that was there, and you saw the dysfunction at times that could be the Washington Wizards? What would you have to be sold on aside from the money and the possible huge extension that could come from signing yeah. the two year um, the two year uh, uh, extension? What would he have to sell you on personally to become the face of that particular franchise when? It's been rumored that like every team out there that has a championship aspiration could be willing to swing uh, at Bradley Beal in that contract. Well, I think the biggest thing was is that they're going to build the team around him. I think when he first got there, it was all about John Wall. You know, we're going to build the team around John Wall, and Bradley Beal was a nice piece for the Wizards to build that backcourt uh, and be one of the best in the NBA. So I think now with when you hire uh, uh, a new GM and, and Tom Shepard and him coming in and telling him and saying, hey, Bradley, look, you are the face of the franchise right now. You are the guy that we're going to put the team. We're going to put the team on your shoulders. He was an all star last year. I think he's prepared and ready for that. But I think we're just all about letting him know that he is the key piece for this organization to get over the hump. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What hey, up, Rip, what's up, dude? What's going on, Rip? What's happening? Can he, oh, you don't have his IMV. All right, guys, guys, guys. All right, here. This is my question for Rip and for Raja too. For you guys. So, Raja, you talked about the two-year extension, but so the second year of that's player option, right? So, you talked about the big contract that he can get: five years, two hundred twenty, two hundred sixty-six million. If he opts out in that second year, does Brad Beal deserve to eventually become the highest-paid player in the history of the NBA? Man, so. The question was, uh, I don't know what he's saying. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. You can't read lips. His beard is just moving in his beard. It's very interesting what he was talking about. He said he was talking about Bradley Beal's ability to opt out in the second year yeah. and then potentially sign the five year, $266 million. Is like, he worth max. that? Is he worth that? Well, that's going to be a, a question. I mean, right now he's getting $36 million a year, right? So I think that was a situation for him to to say, all right, I'm going to take it uh, uh, out in my second year just to see if everything you're saying to me, Tommy, that is right, true. Sure. So now I got the, op- the option to say, all right, you know what, if things don't work out after the first year, I can opt out and still go anywhere else. You heard, you heard rumors all year that Miami was trying to, to get him and all these other playoff teams is trying to go 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 get him. But he kind of took a page out of LeBron James. Uh, flexibility. Flexibility, the way yeah. that he's been doing his whole entire career. Uh, just knowing to see if the team is actually going to do what they say. Because, Roger, you know, like being in a, in a league, sometimes the team will say, hey, Roger, we're going to do this, that, and the third. We're going to we're gonna set the table for you for this way. We're going to play 
uh, this Selling amount of minutes, bro. You know, yeah. doing yeah. all this, and now you then you sign a five year deal, and then you're stuck. Yeah, you're you know, in. especially after the first two years. So I think this is a situation where he sees what is actually going to happen with this team. Is this team going to be a contender? Because right now he wants to win. Yeah, and to 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 uh, the question about worth, like whether he's worth it, I always say like if. If, somebody's willing to pay if, it. If someone's willing to pay it, right. And the yeah. money that the owners are making, like fans forget about that. If they're willing to give out max deals to the tune of five years, $266 million, that means like the getting is good. Yeah. They are making a lot of money. So like per the BRI split, yes. like if he's worth that to them and that's what's been collectively bargained, yeah, he's worth it. And he's, the, you know, it's all about timing, like who's up to eat next. But yeah, I, w- I would say he's worth it and, for sure. And, and they forget too, like the, the ninth and 10th man on the NBA roster nowadays, ladies and gentlemen, is making 10 to 12 million dollars. <laughs> so when you're telling me, stop the 10th uh, player on your roster is making 11, 12 million dollars. Yes, he's worth 200. Exactly. He'll get it. Uh, I do think sometimes you have to be careful of being greedy, which could be the case with Jalen Brown. As it's reported, the Celtics have offered him four years, 80 million, and he's saying, thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to hold out for more. Is yeah. this, I mean, if he can, get, again, if he can get it, the question is, do you think he does? I, I think that's a great decision by him. I mean, uh, $80 million is, yes, it is a lot of money, but when you look out there and you see some of these guys and see what they're making, you look at his stats, only average 11 and four, but you got to understand he's playing with a stacked roster. Correct. You know, where you got multiple guys on your team that can average 20 points, but, but they're not. You, you know, we said the whole big thing about Jason Tatum last year making the next step. Mm-hmm. But when you're playing with a guy like Kyrie Irving and, and Al Horford and all these other guys on the team that can put the ball in the basket, it's not going to show up in the stat sheet. But I do think he's a guy that can really go to another team and not maybe be the first guy. The first uh the guy that you go to, but maybe a guy that can play the Robin role. So I think with him holding out, yeah, I mean, he doesn't he's not worrying about money right now. I mean, we guys still make a lot of money right now, but I think he's just looking at the situation saying, All right, why should I jump for the money when I know that I can make more, especially yeah. in the next, well, next season? Welcome to the show, bro, because I I wish you were here like an hour earlier because Joe and I were having this argument. Okay. Was, <laughs> like, I was saying exactly the same thing you're saying. Like he has been He's a talent, yeah. and Joey's like, the numbers don't support it, which they don't. Yeah. But you haven't had the opportunity to get the numbers that would support that. So I also thought it was a good move for him to bet on himself. Yes, Like, absolutely. this may be more opportunity. Like, you know, uh, Kyrie's not there anymore. Al Horford's not there. Um, you know, he can spread his wings. Maybe they saw Gordon last year. He didn't look like what they had paid for, mm-hmm. you know, that first year back from injury. Um you roll the dice on that and, and you see what's up. Because I think he is that type of player. I don't know that he's a number one either. Yeah. But I think he is certainly a nice complimentary number two, uh, maybe even high, high level number three on good teams. And they get paid, you know, more than that. And and the thing about it, you got to remember this. When Gordon Hayward came to, this, to, to the Boston Celtics, he had to take a back seat. Sure. Like he was supposed to be the guy coming into yeah. the sophomore season. So I had many conversations with him, you know, during the season. And, and the one biggest thing that I always told him was, hey, just – you know, let let your game do the talking. Don't get out here and talking to media. And he hasn't. He's been the 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 uh, a player on that team that really you know took the role coming off the bench. Even though after the first couple of games he was averaging twenty points, right? You know, and took that role and accept his role and still came out and performed and kept his mouth shut. Let me let me ask you about the Celtics specifically. Um, what do you think they look like this year? Like what I mean, you know. Everybody's just assuming you throw Kemba in the mix there. Um, I don't know if anyone's really factored in the subtraction of of, of Al Horford, mm-hmm. but 
you know, an Eastern Conference that's not great by any stretch of the imagination. Um, like, what do you think this team winds up looking like? Where do you see them falling in the pecking order in the Eastern Conference? Well, I think last year, uh, a lot of people expected them, me included, mm-hmm. that they would come out the East, especially with, you know, a healthy Kyrie Irving, you got Al Horford, you got veteran leaders on that team, and you got great role players and great young guys that don't have to take the next step quite yet. Right. You know, sometimes when you throw a young guy out there early in the year, sometimes they're not ready. But when you got all-stars on that team, then you really don't have to step up to that that role. This season, I think with losing Kyrie, I mean, Kyrie is a special talent. People forget that. Like, he is, like, in my opinion, top three, top four point guard in our game. Now you lose him, but you add Kimball Walker. Now, I think Kimball Walker is a better piece yep. for for the what Boston Celtics. Absolutely. I think he's better in the locker room yeah. for, for, the, for the Boston Celtics. But you still lose a lot of that in-game situation, a guy that can create his own and can score on anybody in the lead. I mean, anybody. Kimball's good off the ball, too. I mean, he can score, but he is not as good as Kyrie Irving, ladies and gentlemen. But I think that this year they'll have a solid team. I don't think they're coming out of the East. I, I don't go into this season and saying, okay, the Boston Celtics is right. the best team in the East. I still think that they're probably more like three, four, I okay. think, with potential to get there. But I think their chemistry definitely is a lot better. But losing Al Hofer is going to be big for them. All right. I want to show you guys something uh, that occurred last night, the preseason. This pass from LeBron James. I want you guys to evaluate this okay. thing because it was pretty sick. Uh, LeBron, as he does, drives in the lane and then gets the sick kick out to Danny Green. If you watch it in slow mo, like the flip, I don't even know how to describe it. He comes over there and just uh, boom, hits him perfectly. Now people were going nuts about this. Do you think they should? <laughs> I know because I, I sometimes I look at things. I'm like, all right, what do you, what do you NBA guys think of look, that? I was, it was there's some luck to it. Really nice pass. Yeah. I mean, yes, but he would have known. And when he got in the air, that Danny was standing over there wide open. So yeah. he already knows he's wide open. Once he realizes he's drawn two and he can't get the shot off. All you really got to do is figure out a way to get it over there. Totally. So, like, I, I mean, it was a, it's a nice highlight, but I don't know that like it's a super miraculous type of play. Yeah, I would have to. I would have to agree with Raja. See, that's what I was with you guys. Joey was losing his mind. He's like, you got to see this pass. It was unreal. Like going. To, I was like, was it that and, good? And, and you got to remember though, people. A lot of people that know don't know that LeBron James is naturally left-handed. Right. So that was a <laughs> left-handed pass. So. If I'm a righty, I would say yes. That is definitely a, a very difficult sure. pass for me to do. Yeah. But when you're a guy that's a natural lefty and has the strength to get that ball all the way over there on time in in perfect position for Danny Green to shoot, I mean, it's it's, it's it was a very accurate pass. But I don't think it. it Let me be pressure. clear. I can't make it with either hand. But <laughs> I'll just sit here saying for a guy like LeBron, yeah. right? You know, as soon as he got midway into the paint, he had already made the the determination Absolutely. that Danny was going to be open. Worst case scenario, Danny Green standing in the corner. Yeah, right. And most right. and most great players, they see the play before it actually develops. Right. And that's something that every guy in the NBA don't have. A lot of people think that okay, just because you know we got some of the most talented players in the world. But a lot of times, players can't see the play that's going to happen before it happens. But he's one of them guys. That's one thing I think it's underrated about LeBron is his basketball IQ. Yes, totally. Like knowing the ne- like that type of next level stuff. I wanted to get some quickly in here. Um, <laughs> Joey's mad he can't respond to it because you don't have your IFP. So that's tough. He's got to deal with it. Um, when uh, Joe Harris was asked, uh, he was doing an AMA, and he was asked about flying on a team plane. And I was curious to hear this because we've told a couple stories about the differences in an NFL and NBA team playing. But Joe Harris said he had, honestly, on the team plane, this is, quote, you had either 
of three options. Watching a TV show or movie, sleeping, or gambling. Okay. And he said his rookie year, I actually did none of those. He actually counted Kendrick Perkins' winnings for him, and they actually yeah, called yeah, him yeah. the accountant. Would you <laughs> Would you confirm Joe Harris's account of the team planes? I, I, I would say he's very... Very accurate. Yeah. Uh, 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 uh. I would add a fourth in there, a fourth option. What was that? Just, just dice? right there talking crap. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. If you're not playing in the game. Totally. Right? And you might be sitting in the row right behind the game. Yeah. Just talking, talking smack. But see, I didn't have no choice. I had to play. Oh. We had, we had one motto, and it was the Ben Wallace motto. And you know him. I mean, you ain't going to really ever tell him no. Right? So, I mean, but he had one motto, blood in, blood out. And that was if you played one game and you were in, in the Bure game, yes. you had to play for the whole entire season. So regardless if you went out and shot like one for eighteen and yeah. and got and got scorched on the on, on the defense end, yeah. Ben Wallace was still coming to you on the team playing to tap you on the shoulder and say, Hey bro, it's time. even though you feel you're feeling a little sorry for yourself, right. you still gotta come back here and play Bure. <laughs> now did you ever see spots? Because I saw this happen a couple of times, and I think the disparity in NFL locker room might be greater from league minimum guy to a quarterback making 20 but what about an nba rookie for you know first second year guy playing with somebody who's maybe on a max deal is there a sliding scale when they do that type of situation is you're in you're in with the big boys well, you better be able well, to that's, hang that's the one thing that we tell them stay out of grown folks business yeah. like hey if you want to come down here and get in you know regardless how much you make and if you don't have that money right now yeah. right hey it was guys giving you a loan they would say, you would get on a plane if you looked in your pockets and be like, hey, I ain't bringing no cash today because certain guys <laughs> did that. Yeah. You know, it was another guy, an NBA vet, that'd be like, okay, here, how much do you need? And you almost got forced yeah, to, to play. Yes, absolutely. Right. Regardless if you had it or you didn't have it, regardless if the check didn't clear you, <laughs> guys were still forcing you to play in them games. One of the, one of the worst situations I ever saw was when an equipment manager, who was yeah. a great dude and everybody loved him. Yeah. He was like coming back one time and he's playing cards and you're like, man, and you could see it happening. Starts losing. It gets to be like, and it wasn't even NBA type money. I'm yeah. not assuming, but it got to be like 13, 14 grand. Okay. And the pot. And it, of course, went against him. And all of a sudden I mean, he was crying. Oh, Grow man tears. Yes. I don't know what I'm going to do. My wife's going to leave me. And thankfully a veteran on that team said, Hey man, we'll, we'll look out for you. We'll make sure you don't have to do it, but oh, it can wait. get ugly Listen, in a now, hurry. Did y'all, so the NBA has changed its rules. Like, so the, the money's big in it. I mean, yes. I mean, I've seen 40 racks like, yeah, you know, yes. like that. Oh, like, nah, like, easy. Yes. But we used to be able to drink on the planes. Okay. So, you know, you'd leave, you'd leave somewhere and you'd go somewhere else and, you know, you got a three hour flight and, yeah. and you know, you already <laughs> touched up the ball. Kid I was allowed you, to drink on y'all planes. Yes. Yeah, oh, so no. the NBA stopped. Wait, you guys weren't allowed to drink? No, we were. No. Really? Bro, it was I, guys, you know, in, that always... in a mini bar taking a little, <laughs> the, oh, the, the little, the little two ounces. So you could bring your own though. Uh, no. I mean, you really? had to hide it. Like, like when I was in Detroit, they didn't allow drinking on a plane. No. So they were ahead of the curve. See, we'd be on, we, we'd be on. <laughs> and that always that added toasty, an man. element to that card game. Oh, that my God. Going off. Yes. Like, yeah, Jada, you, 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 you would think. Like, oh, got a little bit of He-Man yes, juice sir. in it. Yeah. Yes, your chest out a little bit right now. I watched the game. I wasn't, yeah. I ain't one. Nothing, the only team I ever, and it was, it was funny because Dan Reeves was sort of old school, but I think because of old school, they actually had the flight attendants serve alcohol. Sure. Then later, the last two teams I played on, it was always bring your own. But the, NBA, the difference, NBA is a little bit smaller. It's easier to police. Yeah. There's not so many people. You got 120 people on it because you got 53 players. You got practice squad. You got a big coaching staff. The players are all on the back. So it's a lot easier to smuggle it in right. and yeah. drink whatever you want. And then everybody's just well, kind of looks put, the way. If you put it in your bag, there's no one that's no one right. to be able to tell. Like, because like you said, the coaches, 
were in the front uh, and, and all the players were in the back. But like you said, in them card games, when you add alcohol Ooh. to it, guys get a little yeah. loud. Yep. Guys want to get a little physical, especially <laughs> the centers and the power forward. Yeah. They want to get a little physical. So that is not a guard game when alcohol comes into Correct. The no, right. exactly. All right, we got to get out of it. We got to take a break. All right, I asked you uh, during the break, Raj, if you had ever heard of anybody getting 58 penalty strokes in a round. What? And your response was, who the heck would that? And it was in a big, it was in the senior LPGA championship. Okay. That's a big, that's a big deal, right? Senior LPGA championship. Leanne Walker, she finished 73 over par, but 58 of those were penalty strokes. How do you get 58 penalty? That's what I was like. Did you hit it in the water? Like, all right. So here's a new rule. And I actually know this because of junior golf. I take a guess at it real quick. Sure. When something happens early in the round and you make a mistake, there's a cumulative after so that. That's what I thought. Or? That was, that was a good guess. I thought maybe she put the wrong score on like 10 holes right. or something like that, but it's even more, it's, it's more unique than that. It's, it's due to a newer rule. So the PGA instituted a rule probably two years ago that when, as a caddy, you are no longer allowed to stand behind a player to help them get lined up. Uh. And really, it's interesting that it was an LP senior LPGA because it was really happening on the LPGA tour more than it was on the men's tour. Right. For whatever reason, they just it became really normal for caddies to stand behind them, and it took forever. Okay. They're trying to speed up the game, so Got they it. said, "Look, you can't do it anymore, or it's going to be a two-stroke penalty." Well, Leanne Walker apparently hasn't played golf in quite a while, didn't know the rules. And so for every time she had to go back, she wasn't alerted of the rule until like midway through her second round. Every putt. Every time she putted, they were assessing her a two-stroke oh. penalty. So they had to go back and adjust it uh, in that situation. Like, what? I like, listen. And it's kind of stupid. You should probably tell her, right? Someone should so have told her like in the first hole, the yeah. first time you see listen, it. You just got a two-stroke penalty. Want to give you a little warning. Don't yeah. do that anymore. Yeah, exactly. Right. And uh, But apparently her playing partners, I don't know if they were like, <laughs> she's, <laughs> maybe, I mean, hey, it can be cutthroat sometimes. I mean, she was still over par without the 58 stroke. She didn't win it. She wasn't going to win it, was she? Right. Uh, no, I don't think right. so. Because I don't think her scores were that great without it. Um, In other golf news, Tiger Woods came out yesterday. Famously private Tiger Woods. Does yeah. not, like, I think his boat was called Privacy. His $100 million yacht. He's announced he's coming out with his own memoir. He's going to write his own. He's going to, hey, there's been several others. I read Armin Katayan, who you know has worked a, a well-respected journalist, wrote a. It's a pretty thick book, and it's just called Tiger. It was really good. Was it? It's juicy though. That's the thing that worries me. Like, if it's Tiger's book, is, is he going to give you the juicy no, details? Not. No. So I think you you can appreciate it from a different standpoint, like what goes in mentally, like some of the preparation. But I don't know if it's going to be inter- as entertaining as some of his other ones. Um, yeah, I didn't read that one. I re- did Hank Haney write a book? Yes, uh, I read that one. Him. I read I read that one. Yeah. Um, I will read Tiger's book. I I too I agree with you though. I don't know how entertaining it will ultimately be, but I'll read it. Just give us some of the details. No, de- no, like. dude. No. But I think what you'll get is a healthy dose of hey, how far back I was, like how bad I like I was down and out. Yep. What was going through my mind there, and what's been through my mind now since I've been back. On the big scene, mm-hmm. which I think is a really cool story. And I think it's yeah. one that a lot of people will like to hear, uh, myself included. Uh, I think we're wrapping soon. Yeah. Yeah. 10 yeah, seconds. Perfect. That's great. So I don't even have to tease that much because sometimes I have to sit here and stall forever. Yeah. I don't have to do that today. Just 10 today, seconds worth. Well, done. we'll just react to the Chiefs Broncos. Enjoy the game. <laughs> Go Yankees tonight too. <laughs> Yo. 
Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown, new season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+.